Welcome to the Time Machine with Trish and Mike. I'm Mike. And I'm Trish. And we're glad you're with us once again for another adjective-laden explanation description of this show for which I can think of none uh, episode. Yeah, and, I was going to say, yeah. what what letter are you going with today? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm, I'm big on alliteration. So like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I roll with the T's or the B's or the whatever. And, you know, I just, I, I got nothing for you today. It should be like a T-shirt. I roll with the B's and the T's. <laughs> roll with the B's and the T's. Yeah. And just let people figure out what those letters could possibly mean. Well, because that's the thing. There's there's like so many, you know, shirts and, and whatnot for different things that like, uh, you know, for maybe from like a, a podcast or something where mm-hmm. there's such a small subset of people who are even going to get what's on the shirt in the first place. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I roll with the B's and the T's. I think it's got a good, good sound to it. It sounds good. I mean, I don't know <laughs> what on earth. Um, What could... There could be some words I could come up with. It's either that well, that would be good merch for us or something about the iguanas falling. Cause you know, that's always my, I always think about the poor iguanas in Florida. Okay. I'm, so I'm coming at it from a musical standpoint. Uh, so mm-hmm. in music, you have the treble clef and the bass clef. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, the B's and the T's and T's that could yeah. work. Or you could do the T's and the B's, but I think B's yeah. and the T's sound better. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah, something's just yeah. that's why we do the time machine with Trish and Mike. It sounds better than the time machine with Mike and Trish. Yeah, even though I fought hard because M comes before T, but, know, but... You, when you're right, Mike, you're right. So I got to go with it. <laughs> See, now if more people would just agree with you, the world would be a better place. True. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, yeah, so shall we uh, mm. shall we just uh, jump on in? Uh, We're just going to roll right in with that first story. Are we, are we unless unless you have something else you want to talk about or, or whatever mm. before we get I mean, too deep into the the time. Not much happened last week, was it? it? Was it was Valentine's last week? We talked about the heartache of Ken and Barbie, but then the reuniting of Ken and Barbie. Yes, we did, yeah. and we um, can live vicariously through that. Yeah, sure, <laughs> we could do that. Um, Super Bowl, of course, was last Super Sunday. Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, yeah, it's been a it's been a more like week. more like the halftime show. It's like, did you hear that there's a football game happening during this rap concert? <laughs> so fun fact, this guy I know who he's plays like you know a lot older than me. Uh he is a big fan of the Who, the mm-hmm. the band. And I was talking to him, it was on the, the year, I forget off the top of my head what year it was that they did halftime. And I said, I saw him on Super Bowl Sunday that year. And I said, oh, I, I said, I bet you're watching halftime show tonight. He said, probably not. I said, the who's playing? He's like, oh, he's like, when is halftime usually going to be? I'm like, it's usually about here in the East Coast. It's typically around eight o'clock, eight, eight, 15, mm-hmm. eight, 20, something like that. He's like, OK, great. I'll definitely turn it on to watch because uh, he's it, like he's not really a big football guy, but mm-hmm. You know, so when here's my thing. So people always talk about the Super Bowl and how, you know, oh, 110 million people watch it. Well, there's over 300 million people in America, which technically means as hard as this is to believe, there are more people that don't watch the Super Bowl than do. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I tuned in for there. There was going to be the uh, the promo for the Lord of the Rings show that Amazon's doing. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wanted to check that out. And the halftime show. 
show, but I mean, go sports ball. You know me, I'm not really big <laughs> into the whole watching sports on television thing. I mean, the Olympics I was watching, I've been watching a lot of that. Yes. And we will talk about an Olympian here in a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And no, I've been, been enjoying the Olympics, of course. Our, but, our first story is definitely not about an Olympian. <laughs> in a roundabout way, I could tie the Olympics into it because this person's grandfather you know started what? a hotel chain that is a worldwide chain. Therefore, I'm sure Olympians have stayed at. Oh, I was going to be like, do you hotels. know a secret story? I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, she has a secret talent. I mean, did anybody know Paris Hilton was a DJ until all of a sudden? She I did. Up? I knew that. But I'm saying until she popped up and started doing it, like nobody knew yeah. she could do that. So how do you know she wasn't like a figure skater? You don't. Secret, you secret don't double life. <laughs> anyway, Paris... That is, of course, <laughs> she's born on February 17th, 1981, making her 41 years old, which is wild. Yes. The thought of Paris Hilton being 41. Um it makes me feel old because I do oh, not think so of her old. as being 41. No, um, no. I still think of her like from the simple life with, yes. with her and Nicole Richie. Like that's what's in my mind. Yeah. I mean, maybe you go, okay. Like, like if you just were to randomly ask me how old Paris Hilton was, I would say 34. Maybe yeah. I was going to be point. like 32, like, 34 around there in my head. Even though you know, logically I know she's older than me. <laughs> right. Same. And, but, but I just go, well, the simple life that was like 2004 ish. And mm-hmm. that was what, like eight years ago. So she was like 20 something there. So she's like early 30. Wait, the simple life was almost 20 years ago. What? No, mm-hmm. I'm not okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know Emotional I mean? damage. Uh, but I hope she has a great birthday. I wonder what she's going to do. Yeah. Uh, well, she got married uh, last year. Mm-hmm. I know that. Um, I'd look it up real quick. It's just, it's always curious to know what kind of like lavish parties people with this kind of money end up doing. Oh, she had um, like, I know uh, several weddings, like um, ceremonies, I believe, mm-hmm. or, or, or receptions or something. Oh, um, did she have, she had like uh, one for the family, one for the friends. Yeah. I guess I remember- it also depends on the COVID protocols, wherever she got married. I'm assuming right. in they, California. They but. got married in LA on November 11th. So oh, not a date I'd pick, but that's the, the Canadianism in me coming out with Remembrance Day. It's like, ooh, well, solemn but, day. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes just with the way the calendar falls. Yeah. That, that I don't think they were intentionally setting out for that day. It's just that happened to be a Saturday and it worked out, yeah. you know. Well, and that date doesn't really doesn't have the same significance in America as it does in Canada. So actually, um, November 11th, now that I'm actually looking at that was a Thursday. So that is really strange. But that's the new thing, though, with weddings is to get married on weekdays because it's way cheaper. Yeah, I get that because you. I mean, not that she has a around. budget that she has to really worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think her dress probably cost more than like, you know, a normal person's wedding entirely. <laughs> Yeah, the entire budget of a wedding, her dress. Yeah. But anyway, well, that's cool. Who knows? I wasn't invited. No, never. Did, unless my invite got lost in the mail. Yeah. Um. Have we? I don't think we've talked about this. I don't think you even know this. Do you know she used to have a club in Orlando? She used to have a club? Like she yes. ran it or did she DJ at it? Uh, it both? was it was Club Paris. It opened, I believe, I want to say late 2014. No, no, 2004. Mm-hmm. Um, it was around for a few years. It was like a 
and it was really more of like a business licensing deal kind of thing, but it was oh. actually called Club Paris. And this was, mm-hmm. you know, at the peak of her um her run there with the simple life and and everything. There was that big she was the Yeah, big, when she was girl. everywhere and she was dating right. everyone. Yeah. How come yeah. Orlando though? Because like her home is in LA. Yeah, there was I think a couple more around the country. Um because oh, okay. you would naturally you would think of Miami and Miami might have had one. I could be wrong. Um, but it was a big deal when it opened. She came here for the grand opening and uh I hmm. think she was obligated to make like monthly appearances. And I think eventually that kind of went away and the the business partner and all that it, you know kind of fell through. But yeah, it was um hmm. that was a big deal back uh back hmm. when it was around here. Hmm. Yeah, Club Paris. You can Google it, it was a real thing. But well, when um, I go to see where the other locations were, it just brings up the best places to club in Paris. Ah, not not the same thing as what I'm looking for. Fair enough. (laughs) Well, good for her turning 41, having a great old birthday party. Yeah, it closed in 2007. So it lasted for about three years. Oh, but yeah, it was it was right downtown and uh, everything. Hmm. It was a whole whole deal. This is going to make for very compelling uh, (laughs) listening, listening as I share this with Trish (laughs) so she can see. But this is from the opening. So that is this was the business partner guy that like, wait, who is the one with dark hair? I'm getting there. And then this was Lou Pearlman. He was like the big boy band guy um, behind like NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys. And there's that's a whole that's a whole separate episode we could do. And then uh, that's Nikki Hilton, Paris's sister. Oh, okay. I was like, is that Paris? But she's a brunette. That was weird. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then this was the club here. So Hmm. that is uh, the Orange County Courthouse. That's in downtown Orlando. Mm -hmm. And there she is at the club. Very cool. I mean, I guess if you wanted to go see the it girl of the early 2000s, that's where you had to go. So she and like local radio stations would do, you know, event nights out there and all sorts of stuff. And then, yeah, (laughs) Club Paris nightclub. It was a thing. And for anybody listening to it. That everyone's like now blocked. (laughs) Right. But if, if so, if like if you just Google, uh, you know, Club Paris Orlando, you can see the same images that I'm sharing with Trish that we have mm-hmm. gone and come up on a Google search. Uh, yeah. Oh, there's Bob Saget. Oh, that was tragic hearing the news about him. Yes, it was. Yeah. Nice to know. Like, on one hand, I'm sure it's nice to know that it wasn't like anything foul play or like so many celebrities end up with, you know, ODing or things like that. Like, it was a really tragic accident that he hit his head and fell asleep and that was it yeah so so crazy but i'm i'm thankful i I got to meet him last year that was yeah that was nice i got to meet the three of them and uh so good times i have seen him do stand-up before actually that was Mm. that was quite interesting i mean i knew going into it what to expect (laughs) yeah it was if if, if it's funny because my daughter's only uh like recollection is from him from being danny taylor tanner on full house and fuller house so she was like, oh, no, and like, like she yeah. doesn't know the whole Bob Seg, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. Yeah. Well, when she's old enough, she can. Yeah. When she's older, she can go look at the his recorded Rem- stuff. Remind me, I, I have a story off air to, to tell you about Bob Saget. A good mm. one. A good one. Nothing yeah. bad. Just l- more lengthy than I'm, where we have time to get into uh, here on the For show. The show. Now everyone's yeah. going to be like so curious. Sorry. Well, if you, you want to know, you can just, you know, call into Anchor and leave us a message. Subscribe to our Patreon where you get You're all like, the hey, behind DM the scenes. Oh, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> anyway, um, February Speaking of behind the scenes. There you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, February 18th, 1885. We're going way back. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn is going to be published. Uh, and I just tie that into uh, the fact that, you know, the character is basically um, interpreted by people that Mark Twain knew when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So growing up in Hannibal, Missouri. Have um, have you ever heard of the musical Big River? No. OK, well, you're about to. <laughs> OK, <laughs> so Big River was a musical um, back in the mid 80s legitimately ran on broadway and everything and it is based on the adventures of huckleberry finn oh mm-hmm. they just turned it in they turn everything into a musical now they, i have to admit do. musicals are not my my biggest jam like i did i love certain ones like hamilton i can get behind mm-hmm. yeah my uh senior year of high school actually we did a our for our our chorus variety show we did a whole um, like the whole theme was like road trip USA. So like we mm-hmm. did Disney songs and um, we did like New York songs, like New York state of mind and stuff like that. Um, and there was a section in it where we did a whole medley of songs from the, uh, the musical from big river. Oh, that's pretty yeah. cool. And it was uh, the music for the musical was written by Roger Miller. Who's the guy that has the King of the road huh? song, you know, right, trailers yeah. for sale. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, did you, this book almost didn't make it. Uh, Mark Twain almost gave up on it. He started it in 1876 and he wrote about 400 pages. And then he like told a friend, well, you know, it's tolerably well as far as I've gotten and left it alone for several years while he wrote uh, The Prince and the Pauper and Life on the Mississippi. And then in nine, or 1882, he took a steamboat ride on the Mississippi from New Orleans to Minnesota with a stop in Hannibal. And it inspired him to finish the book. So he almost didn't get this classic. Wayne was a busy guy. Yeah. Like I didn't even realize he was doing all this other stuff. Yeah. He, he definitely wrote a lot. Hmm. And it's, you know, it's an interesting book because obviously there's themes and topics in the book that, you know, are. Well, and I think it's very important, especially with all of these like banned books happening in school districts now. Yeah. That it's important to kind of go through those themes, obviously in an appropriate way. But I like the fact that he always said the change in um, Huckleberry's attitude towards slavery reflected his own change as he grew from someone who was raised in the South to then um, he ended up marrying into an abolitionist family. Hmm. So it like mimics that, right? Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing I think that we as a society Obviously, we still struggle with it uh, mm-hmm. as a whole where, you know, there's not um, change is always hard and difficult and takes time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, here we are. We're talking about something in the late 1800s and we're 150 years later and yeah, still dealing with it, we still deal with, you know, some of the stuff. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, we just hope that one day we all this is history and is not yeah. current. But yep. I always I find it interesting, though, when when books like this are banned or, or not encouraged to be used. And then it just makes kids want to know more about it. So it's like the quickest way to get kids to read is to say, Nope, it's banned. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you could just ban dancing. You could, I mean, what's, what's stopping just at books. Yeah. Let's just no more dancing. It would be tragic. I dance all the time. I'm a terrible dancer, but like kitchen, I kitchen dance like there's nobody's business. I, I was just going to say, do we have any TikToks of Trish dancing? Because this is this is something we need right now. 
Oh Lisa. my gosh, no. <laughs> I try to do I try to do go noodles. If you don't, okay, educators will know what go noodle is. Um, when you have to do indoor recess, it's there's like repeat after me dances. And my grade eights just like point and laugh at me as I brutally attempt to follow and have any sort of coordination. But don't they do that anyway? <laughs> yeah, I mean, grade eights are grade eights are brutal. They will be the honest truth and they will cut you down. That's why I can't stand middle school kids. Like, like I, <laughs> I, I, I like working with kids. I like working like give me, you know, young elementary age. Oh, you no, know, I'm no. great. I'm good with high school kids, middle school kids. I can't stand you. Like, oh, I love middle school kids. God bless you. Um, but uh, speaking of banning dancing, that takes mm-hmm. us to February 19th, 1984, when the number one movie in the country was a little film called Footloose. Yeah, it was number one for three weeks. And it was actually based on a real place that banned dancing. It was Elmore City, Oklahoma. In January 1979, the local high schoolers asked that the rules be changed so that they could have a prom to the anger of the reverend from the United Pentecostal Church. So the kids won and they got to go dance on prom night. And it's like, if you want a perfect snapshot of the 80s, I think like if aliens land and they're like, show us something from the 80s that just screams 80s. I think that movie (laughs) and that soundtrack nail it perfectly. And I mean that in an absolute good way. Like I legit love that soundtrack. I mean, obviously Kenny Loggins Footloose song, but the whole rest of the soundtrack is really good and just just such a fun movie mm-hmm. yeah and can you imagine though if it was other people played the main part yeah like, as i was as i was researching they said tom cruise and rob lowe were both considered and it's like i cannot see this movie with either of them see i don't know visually i could see rob lowe doing it because i can see some similarities to mm. him i don't know how good of a dancer he is so i don't well, know and i'm not i'm not a big tom cruise fan See that, that that's my birthday twin, but I no, I can't see him doing that either. Really, I just <laughs> I I think, and we've I know discussed this before with other movies as we've gone through the show. Um, things just work out the way they're supposed to. Like, yeah, I think so. Bill Murray as Batman in 1989 does not work. No, Mm-mm. you know, I think Kevin Bacon Mm-mm. was the right guy at the right time, and I think when they read it. Kevin Bacon fans. Like, <laughs> so like, I'm like so glad that he and 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 unlike the, the uh, unlike the Summer Girls uh, LFO song, I like Kevin Bacon, but I hate Footloose. I like Kevin Bacon and I like Footloose. Yes, me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and even <laughs> when they did the remake, I thought you know having Julianne Huff, I thought she was the perfect mm-hmm. uh, you know part for for the female in that movie. But mm. and it yeah. made a lot of money. The budget was I I was actually surprised at the budget eight point two million to make it. But it made eighty million domestically. That's um, that, that's, that's a good payday. That, that's a good return on your investment. That's what that mm-hmm. is. <laughs> and that was just at the box office. That's not factoring in, you know, VHS no rentals yeah. because that was the thing at the time. And then of course, eventually mm-hmm. VHS and DVD and Blu-ray sales and streaming and digital downloads and all that. Yeah. See, because that's the thing. The movies would used to make money off rentals for a while. Yeah. Way back in the day. Way back. Yes. I miss mm-hmm. Blockbuster. I I, I, I really miss just going and wandering and discussing what movie you want to watch with your people. Right. Because you, your snacks. I will sit there and I've done this before. I will scroll through for 20 minutes and not find a thing to watch. Yeah. You put me in a Blockbuster and I will 
have four movies in my hand before I know it. And then I'd go, well, I got, I got to put something back here, you know, because they're buy rent to get one, you know, but part of the experience too, is just wandering, right. The shelves being like, Hey guys, have you seen this? Oh, what about this actor or actress? Mm-hmm. I've yeah. seen them in this other thing and they were great. Well, and you also had um, like the box art for the tape yeah. or yeah. the description on the back that would sell you on the movie sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, I've or you could giggle about the terrible like critic, like the one liners, like <laughs> yeah, whatever like, they say. Th- that is an absolute lost art, mm-hmm. you know. And even like with, I see, I don't think movie posters really get the recognition and attention that they should, and because mm-hmm. used to the movie poster sometimes would wind up being the box art cover, you know, yep. for a, a movie. Now, I mean, other than other than maybe the Marvel movies and the Star Wars movies. No one's really put investing Nobody, in their art. Right. There's really not mm. much done. I can't think of like an iconic movie poster from the last few years that wasn't one of them. And even then, like yeah. with Star Wars, it's just tied into being Star Wars. Right. You know, and even like with Endgame, it's just everybody on the poster, really. There's nothing. Mm-hmm. Nothing sets it apart. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back like in my small town anyway, um, you would have to when the movies first came out into the DVD store and they'd have all the posters, mm-hmm. kids would be like lining up to be like, that's the post. Like I want that poster, put my name on it. And they would put like a little sticky note mm-hmm. on the back of the poster. And when the movie ran its course for the promotion, they would then call you and say, Hey, you can come pick up the poster. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Have a couple in your, in your bedroom. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, something else you can have in your bedroom and, and look at every night is a gold medal, assuming you that would be pretty sweet, assuming you win one, of course. And on February 20th, 1998, Tara Lipinski wins the ladies gold medal in figure skating mm-hmm. at the Nagano Olympics at the age of 15. And still, uh, I do believe, unless I've completely missed something in the last couple yeah, of weeks, still holds... nobody else has surpassed that record. Now, the in uh, Summer Olympics, that's a different story because the re- age record there is 13. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a one of the skateboarders uh, back at the 2020 slash 2021 Tokyo Games, one at the age of 13, tying a record. Mm-hmm. Um with Marjorie Gestring, who won for Springboard in 1936. I can't imagine Just, sending a 13-year-old mm-mm. to the Olympics now, let alone in 1936. That's I can't crazy. imagine that it. it's crazy that it hasn't been... Well, I mean, I guess I can imagine it's hard to think of anyone younger than 13 going, but just no one's tried it since 1936 is a little wild. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. There's no way my 13-year-old's going to the Olympics without me. Right. Especially in like a COVID world where you, you know, it's even harder. I mean, yeah. I guess the minors have to have a parent travel with them, but that's just it. You're just anyway. probably one parent, you know, um, I, I feel so bad for you because so up in Canada, you get so who has the Olympics? Is it the CBC? I think. Is that your broadcaster? That's like our main one. Yeah. Right. But like, it's who, like who, running it nonstop. Right. So that's that's who mm-hmm. produces the Olympics for Canada. So yeah. on NBC here. NBC is the TV network that carries the Olympics here in America. Uh, we actually have Tara Lipinski as one of the analysts for the figure skating. Oh, that's kind of cool. So it's her and Johnny Weir, who you may remember mm. from a few years back. He's a very 
flamboyant mm-hmm. and entertaining Boy and, and skater i yes. loved watching him skate my mom's and, a big figure skater so we would watch it a lot of the olympics she, run in our house then then she would love listening to them because they're very um they have they you just tell they just have so much fun doing this and mm-hmm. talking about it and they they will coordinate their wardrobe and everything i think for the i think it was the um pyeongchang games in 2018 in south korea they said they literally both brought like their entire wardrobe with them to Korea to coordinate once they got <laughs> That's there. That's so cute. They're like <laughs> skating besties. And like, so, so they're the analysts and Terry Gannon is the guy like kind of doing the, the play-by-play on the skating with them. And like they, they poke fun. They have fun with him about how they're trying to get in more fashionable and stuff. Like <laughs> there, there was one of the first nights this year he had like a, a you know pocket square in his suit jacket and mm-hmm. there was like some sparkles or some rhinestones on it or something and they were like look what we did we got him to have a sparkly pocket square like <laughs> so, we are positive influences it's, it's really it's just it's it's a lot of fun listening to them That's um cute. and so they're doing their coverage from here in america they're not mm-hmm. over in china um yeah well, I mean, and I do have like Canadians have access to to your guys's broadcast. So we can, like, oh, okay. sometimes if it's like, oh, like men's curling was on the other night and like I really like men's curling, but you're like, I'm not really in the mood to watch curling. Like I want maybe bobsledding. And so then I would switch over to the American site. And... You, you didn't watch the uh, the U.S. Canada men's hockey no, game. You I didn't know that. that night mm-hmm. when you messaged me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was like, eh. Yeah, well, just, it's good for you that you didn't watch but i, yeah, I was happy was with sad. how that that turned out so no well, good for you thank you we shall see what happens Speaking throughout the rest of the games things. yes <laughs> and games that trish also doesn't like i don't do well with wheel of fortune mind you i've been getting better with wordle um february 21st 1997 the digital board on wheel of fortune is unveiled Yes, this was a big deal. I remember at the time when they did it, they spent like a like a two or three minutes on the show explaining how the board worked and and everything. Mm-hmm. Because at well, the time, I'm sure people were probably like, "Hey, could this be cheating? Like now it's digital. There's computers involved." Yeah, there was there were definitely would have been that sort of you know talk, but from a production standpoint, mm-hmm. it completely changes the way you do this because at the time they would have to stop taping and come out there to the board swap out the letters because mm-hmm. the, the previous board and i think we've discussed this before when we've talked about wheel of fortune it was a tri-panel board so you okay. had a green square a blank white square and then the letter and so you'd have to you know flip them all. physically turn it well now when this puzzle solved you hit a button and boom the next puzzle loads which is perfect super time saving yeah yeah um, you, I would I would do terrible. It would be very, very sad. Like just trying to watch me do the Wordle on my phone is already sad enough. <laughs> See, I like Wordle. I, I just kind of forget. Oh, to, I like it. I, I forget I just, to play I it sometimes. I feel inadequate sometimes with my dyslexia. <laughs> well, the, the key to Wordle that I found is you just you need to have a good starting word. Mm. And, and let's let's not kid ourselves. There is a bit of luck when it comes to oh, yeah. it. My go-to word that i use to start mm-hmm. i use radio that's it yeah i've heard people use that one a lot nick and i typically like to use audio because you get all those that vowels. works too yep mm-hmm. yeah. i have a it, student i have a student that always starts with farts see that's 
See, I don't agree with that. I I, I like <sighs> the way that kid thinks, but mm-hmm. it only gets you one vowel. And that's I know that's I tried to I explain use, to him. I but... use radio, same reason you use audio, because it's using mm-hmm. you're getting four vowels. Yeah, in you're knocking word. out. And you and that's the thing. When you could figure the vowels out, it's a lot easier to solve this puzzles. Mm-hmm. I think, my opinion. I think, yeah. That's Although, why you start with a vowel. But I, I, I do like farts, though. I, that, that kid is going <laughs> it does places. does make me smile every day. So there's that. It has that added benefit of a giggle. <laughs> well, something that uh, did not make people smile was uh, oh, no. February 22nd, 1990, when Millie Vanilli won the Grammy for the Best New Artist. Mm-hmm. Well, it made people smile at the time because people liked Millie Vanilli. And then mm-hmm. um, that quickly fell apart. Yeah, that was that was not good. They w- they did become the first duo to ever spend more than an entire year in the top 40 Billboard's Hot 100 chart without interruption. So that yeah. was kind of cool until then you realize what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> then so it all came crashing down uh, on July 21st, 1989, when mm-hmm. they were giving a performance on MTV and the record started skipping. Yeah. Then you and, realize and you, you go on YouTube but you could find a clip. Girl, you know it's girl, you know it's girl, you know it. <laughs> it's just on this loop. It's looping. And, and okay, that proves their lip syncing concert, which has become more of an accepted thing nowadays mm-hmm. in especially in music performances where there's a lot of pop music and a lot of dancing and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's interesting that one of the executives who was with MTV, even prior to that, started having doubts if they sung on their records because of their English, uh, their English skills. Right. Because like they're not even sure if it was actually them singing, which is a whole it's just totally different problem in of itself. Right. Right. Because one is from Germany and I believe the other guy was from France, I think. Um, and yet they were claiming their name was Turkish. Right. And then but it, just in the way that they would you're having conversations with somebody mm-hmm. it's like how are you singing so perfectly in english yet aren't you know like your yeah, words zero accent up. but you I can't mean, talk yeah like like i can like you know being in course i've sung in other languages that i don't know how to speak you can learn how to sing mm-hmm. in a different language um just like an actor can learn different accents but um yeah. it was just shifty yes yeah, it's unfortunate because, you know, they they had you know, personality and people liked watching them perform and they had a very distinctive style. But, you know, by the time it started to it just they blew up and it took off yeah. and then you're just kind of along. And it snowballed. Ride. Yeah, it's like a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie. Now, if they had just been, you know, honest with it, would people have enjoyed it just for the entertainment value or would people still have been like, See, you know, I, it's all fake. <sighs> it's like, I mean, it's wrestling. Wrestling's all. Well, but I think here's here's the thing. It, it, you have two separate issues. Lip syncing during a performance, again, it's more accepted now and it happens. Right. The bigger issue was, and I think where people took the, the great offense, was it's not you singing at all. That's, yeah. And it's, it's one thing now with, you know, with voice effects and mm-hmm. pro tools and, you know, auto tune and all that sort of stuff to where voices are edited that's one but at thing. least it's still your voice but it's still at some point it's your actual voice mm-hmm. whereas on this example it was not at all yeah. them singing 
Did we ever find out who it was singing? Or are they still mysterious? No, we actually do know who uh, the singers were on that song. It was originally sung, uh, was finished by studio performers, including Charles Shaw, John Davis, Brad Howell, Jody Rocco, and Linda Rocco. Oh, there was like a few people on there. Yes. Hmm. Interesting. I, yeah. And like, I didn't even know it was the, the Manili Vanilli was supposed to be Turkish for positive energy. But its literal translation in English means national vanilli, which means like vanilli is not even a Turkish word. It's well, like, And they got the name Millie Vanilli. Millie was taken as a nickname of one of the members' girlfriends at oh. the time. And vanilli uh, was added to sound like the British band Scritty Politti. I've never even heard so of that band. So Millie Vanilli, like you can kind of hear the, the phonetics, uh, um, or the, the, mm-hmm. the rhyming. I mean, rather. it does sound great together. Oh, it's it's a great sounding band yeah. name. Yeah. Something that does not give me positive energy either is on February 23rd, 1975, the U.S. begins daylight savings time two months, or two months early. Well, at least we weren't I, around to experience it. <laughs> no, but I hate daylight savings time. Like, I mean, I love the extra sunshine. I hate the effect on my body for a few days. See, I think it's dumb. I think the whole thing is stupid. Um, And and of course, they did it back in 75 because of the energy crisis going on at the time. So in that sense, I get where, all right, let's switch to daylight savings time a little early. But as a general rule, I think the whole thing is dumb. It's outdated. Yeah. Nobody likes it. We should get rid of it. The problem is that everyone has to agree to be on the same. We should all just like, I don't know change it like half an hour towards each other. So it's just like in the middle and just stay on that time forever. See, but then, then you shift. No, no, I'm fine with, we, my opinion is we stay on what we're currently on, stay on standard time. Mm -hmm. um, And we don't change the clocks in the spring because naturally it's going to stay lighter longer in the summer. Anyway, anyway, do you still need it to be daylight at eight 30 at night? No. 7.30 7.30 at night is perfectly fine. I know when I talked about this with other people, they did say it like complicates things with the airlines immensely. Yeah. Like, well, <laughs> we can't be held hostage from the airlines <laughs> in terms of our well, mental health. But, with and, this daylight and, savings. And it goes back to, and it was, I believe our first, either our first or second episode ever. We spent a whole, yeah, we talked about time. Yeah. A whole episode almost on time zones. And ideally you would divide the earth into 24 different zones that you know would be an hour apart but over time these lines have shifted mostly because of inter you know country trade and what have you to where it just it affects yeah, everything it's, it's it's human interference rather than just natural geography right and some of them make sense like okay let's say if if the longitude line goes through you know a state and like in Florida, Florida is split into two time zones, the mm-hmm. western part of the panhandle. If you were to say we're going to change that line so all of Florida is in eastern time, I, I, I can understand that. That makes sense. Like that would right. be, you know, assuming. But what you run into with somewhere like China, China has one time zone. Well, China, I don't know if you've looked at the map, but it's a big country. <laughs> it's pretty massive. It would be split normally into three or four time zones. So western China you know, it's a late hour, but it's still bright outside. And so their whole work cycle is shifted. Well, you Mm -hmm. also then run, if you go from Western China to, and I'm blanking on the country that's right next to it, uh, 
But so like if you cross that border, oh God, <laughs> yeah, you, you have to jump like four hours back in time. I think it's Afghanistan, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't it Afghanistan? Uh, let me see. Or Saudi so Arabia. China. There's we're they're close to Mongolia, Russia, okay. Kazakhstan, India. Okay, and it was some country over that way. Yeah, but okay. yeah, like you literally when you cross the Western China border, you jump like four hours back or three yeah, hours, which or is something. weird. Yeah, very strange. Very strange indeed. And you can jump back to our show next week because we will be here for you. But before we bid you adieu, Trish, do the thing. I'm going to do the thing. Uh, if you have any questions, concerns, queries, freakouts, you can reach us at The Time Machine with Trisha Mike on Instagram, The Time Machine with Trisha Mike at gmail.com. You can pop that into the Google machine and find us on YouTube. And you can leave us a message at Anchor. Yes. And do all that. And we will be back next week for another adventure through time in our time machine, because that is how you travel through time. That's also the name of the show. So, so you know, whatever. Makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Later. Later.